You are listening to the Grace Covenant Cornelius Audio Podcast. Hi, I'm Gary Craig. And I'm Bonnie Craig. And we are on the journey of a lifetime. We were moving along in our lives, two daughters in college, third one, senior year of high school, and things were starting to look easier and more comfortable. The empty nest was before us. And then God started talking to us about uh, sharing our nest with others. (laughs) Uh, When our last child went off to school, the house seemed very empty and we felt like we had more to give. So I talked to Gary about how he would feel about us opening our home to fostering. And his first response was, if we get foster kids, we'll end up adopting them. So I'm not sure if I'm ready for that. And I said, no, 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 this is temporary just until we have grandkids. But God had another plan. (laughs) As foster parents, we received an eight-year-old boy into our home. And the story unfolded that he was one of five siblings that were being put up for adoption in three different homes. And just saying that makes my heart cringe even now. And our prayer to God was, who's going to adopt five kids? And God's answer was, look in the mirror. (laughs) And everywhere we turned, we would turn on the TV, there'd be a commercial about adopting kids. In our Bible reading, verse after verse, we talk about the orphan and taking care of those in need. And God places gifts in us to share with others. And the message was overwhelming and drew us to our knees and caused us to open our hearts to a new level. And I remember I kept asking God, I kept asking God, and then I just felt like he said, why are you asking me? I'm asking you. And that was huge for me because I realized at that point this really was a choice and that God, he would provide and he would um, be in it, but he wasn't making me do it. And uh, that for me, that was huge. So I decided, um, you know what? I've said yes to God my whole life and I've always determined that I say yes even before I knew what the question was. And now the question was before me and so I already knew the answer was yes. There's a scripture in Matthew 10:39, and it says, Whoever finds their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. I feel like giving my life in, in this way, God has given me back life in so much uh, greater, fuller uh, ways that I could I never had before. So the life that I thought I had, it was so little to give up compared to what the life that God has given back to me. And God has given us grace to give to others. God has given us peace to give to others. God's given us understanding of truth and authority and vision and purpose to give to others. And we're pouring these into children that have not received this before. Our expectations of how things 
should happen um, are constantly challenged. God keeps expanding me. He keeps showing me that life is not about order. Life is about freedom. It's about love. It's about changing. It's about embracing others. It's about looking beyond what's comfortable and embracing the challenges because he's preparing us for eternity. That's the exciting part about this. We're investing our lives in ways that we had not even imagined. And we see the urgency of investing the time that we have in godly, righteous, tender, caring ways. But the rewards are eternal. Why, is that not an awesome story? Man, every time I talk with Gary and Bonnie and I hear the story, I mean, imagine you've come to the place in your life, empty nest, you're looking forward to maybe some years where things are a little calmer, and then all of a sudden you adopt five children. How I many of you know things get interesting at that point? Man, gifts can come to us in amazing ways and at times in packages that we would not have expected. But one of the things I know about all of us is that we like receiving gifts. Would you agree with that? Yeah. It's certainly fun to give gifts, but we also um, like to receive gifts. And so today I get to talk with you about the perfect gift, being Jesus Christ. On this Christmas morning, we celebrate the birth of our Savior, God's gift to meet our greatest need. Now, we've, we've all been a part of both giving and receiving, and, and I would assume that throughout this Christmas season, you've probably given a few gifts and you've received a few gifts. Is that right? Are you with me this morning? But there's nothing more thrilling than either giving the perfect gift or receiving the perfect gift. It's one thing to give a gift to receive a gift, but when you give the perfect gift or you receive the perfect gift. Now, there's also the other side of the coin uh, is that we've probably all experienced uh, is when someone gives us a gift and it's like, oh, wow. I don't even know how to explain this, right? Oh, wow. Like, what do I say? And as you're holding the gift that you've received and you're looking at it and your mind's racing, like, what do I say? And what am I going to do with this? And you're thinking about, okay, who can I re-gift this to, right? (laughs) Come on. You know what I'm talking about. Um, We all have received those gifts as well. But when we give the perfect gift to someone, it's like it blesses us more than it blesses them. You know what I'm talking about? Like when you give that just right gift. I know we celebrated actually Christmas a little early over Thanksgiving when we were in Arkansas. And one of the gifts that I gave my dad was a King James Bible, a large print edition King James Bible, Old Testament, New Testament. And one of the things that my dad's always, as long as I can remember, 50 plus years, I'm 51, so 50 plus years, what I remember of my dad, and this is kind of his morning routine, every morning he gets up and he begins his day in the Word. Again, as long as I can remember as a kid, dad had his place, he had his Bible. But since he had his stroke about a year ago, he's been challenged with his ability to see. His vision's been challenged. And, And so he had... Um, a large print New Testament, and he was reading through that and rereading through that. And as I would call and talk with him, yeah, this is where I'm at reading. And he, I mean, he's reading 10, 15, 20 chapters a day because he's he, he's lost mobility, so he he can't get out a lot. So he spends a lot of time in the recliner, and he finds himself in the Word. And so he's reading through the New Testament, reading through the New Testament. So I thought, wow, it would be great.
great just to get him like the full Bible. And so as dad opened this and saw the Bible, obviously he was surprised. Uh, but beyond that, since that day, numerous times, even this morning, he was telling me again about uh, the Bible that he received and being able to read through the Old Testament and the New Testament. I can tell you, being able to give him what I would say is the perfect gift blessed me more than it blessed him. Though he's enjoying it, I received the greater blessing because I was able to to meet, uh, to give a gift that met my dad at some point uh, of need in his life. But if you think about it, Christmas is a time that we celebrate God's greatest gift, his perfect gift to mankind. He intervened in the crisis of humanity by sending his son to be born of a virgin to bring redemption for humanity. Not only was Jesus born perfect without sin, but he was the perfect gift to bring hope, to bring help, to bring salvation for mankind. Let me give you just a few reasons that Jesus was the perfect gift. First, he's the, he's the gift that solved their greatest problem. This is the reality. As humans, we had a problem we couldn't solve. We had a problem that, that, that we couldn't fix. We could not erase or eradicate our sin. We had this sin problem. And so Jesus is the gift what that, that solved our greatest problem. He, he's also the gift that keeps on giving. There's probably a defined point in your life when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, when you receive the gift... And that was an event, a day, a time. But the wonderful thing about the gift of Jesus is it's a gift that keeps on giving, right? He continues to guide and direct and provide and encounter us in different places of our lives. Not only is he a gift that keeps on giving, but he's a gift that can be shared. You know, there was that time that we received Christ that we receive the gift, and now what we have the privilege of sharing the gift with others. Now, as we share the gospel message, as individuals respond, as they open their lives to Jesus Christ as their Savior, then what? They receive the gift. So it's a gift that can be shared. And I was thinking it's also a gift that's eternal. Now, you've probably received a lot of gifts in your lifetime, depending on your age, would probably determine to some degree the number of gifts you receive. A lot of gifts in your lifetime. But here's the, here's the challenge with all the gifts you've received today is they're temporary, right? In other words, they don't last. You know, someone gets you a nice shirt. Well, that's nice, but one of these days it's going to what? It's going to wear out. Someone gets you a nice purse. Well, that's nice, but one of these days what the purse is going to wear out. Here's the great thing about the perfect gift, the gift of Jesus Christ, is it's a gift that's eternal. Not only does it have value in this life, but it has value for all eternity. It's a gift that continues on throughout the ages. So on this Christmas Day, we celebrate... This perfect gift. And as we, as we talk about the gift, it's, it's appropriate that we would look to a story in Scripture where there was a group of men who brought gifts. And possibly even today, our gift giving is patterned after these men who came to the place where Jesus was at, um, probably at this point, an infant, um, not so much the baby and the manger, but an infant. And they presented gifts to the one who had been born Christ the Lord. So I would like for us to read that story in the Gospel of Matthew chapter Chapter 2, Matthew records the coming of the wise men. So would you follow along as I read this portion of Scripture? It says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi, or wise men from the east, came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who's been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed in all Jerusalem with him. And when he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. 
In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler, one who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully this child, and as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Now, surely one of the one of the greatest stories of Christmas is the account of the wise men who came from the east. Delightful story of strange men from some far away, far away land who brought presents uh, for Jesus. Some say if it if they had truly been wise men, they wouldn't have brought the gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They would have brought gifts of diapers, wipes, and formula instead. <laughs> But right away we discover something interesting in the story. And for years I thought that the wise men showed up at the manger scene. And even as we have here in a little nativity set as we work through this with the children, the wise men didn't come to the manger. It was the shepherds who came to the manger. But Jesus would have been somewhere between, say, 12 months to 2 years of age by the time the wise men came. Um, They came seeking out this one who had been born king of the Jews, and they come and they find Jesus. The scripture says the child at the house. And what's interesting also in this story is that they're on their way to find the king, and it's like they make a wrong turn. Um, someone also said, made a comment I was reading, said, you know, um, they're, they're known as wise men because they're the only men who've ever stopped and asked for directions. <laughs> They made a wrong turn, ended up in the wrong place in Jerusalem because their thinking is we're following a star and this star tells us that a king has been born. If it's a king, then obviously it's, it's the son of King Herod. So let's go to Jerusalem. That's where King's, King Herod's at and it's there that we'll find the king. But as they arrived in Jerusalem and as they began to ask and they just assumed that everyone would know about a king being born, but it was to their surprise that King Herod didn't know. So he called the, the scribes of the day, the scholars of the day and said, hey, what does this Scripture say, and according to Micah chapter 5, verse 2, it speaks of the child being born in Bethlehem. And so as they received the news, then they in turn made their way to Bethlehem to the house where they would have found the Messiah. And it's interesting, as they come to the house, the scripture says they did two things. They bowed in worship, uh, quite an appropriate response, and then they presented gifts. And the scripture is very specific. They were gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And what's interesting about these gifts, that these, these gifts were more than just items to be given. These gifts were gifts that spoke prophetically of who this child was. They were gifts that spoke prophetically of what this child would accomplish, of of why he came. So let me talk with you just for a couple minutes about the three gifts that, that the wise men brought to Jesus. First, we have the gift of gold. Gold is the gift for a king. It spoke of, of majesty. This baby was more than another Jewish infant. He was the king of kings and the Lord of lords. 
This infant that was miraculously conceived was of the lineage of David and would not only be the king of Jews, but he would be king over all. He would reign supreme. It's interesting as you kind of fast forward in scriptures that as Jesus is arrested and he's on trial before Pilate, Pilate's questioning him. Uh, This is before he goes to the cross. Pilate asks Jesus like straight out, are you the king of the Jews? Catch what Jesus says. It is as you say. Interesting, when Jesus was crucified, the scripture tells us that Pilate had a sign made that was nailed to the cross. And it says, this is the king of the Jews. And then if you fast forward even a little further as we come to the book of Revelation, the book that kind of summarizes it all as to how this is going to end. Listen to how the scripture reads. Revelation chapter 17 verse 14. They will make war against the Lamb, but the Lamb will overcome them, for He is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. So the gold, the gold that the wise men presented spoke of Jesus' authority. His authority as the King. It spoke of his majesty. And then there's the gift of frankincense. Frankincense is a gift for a priest. It was frankincense that the priest would have used in the process of worship. The scripture talks about burning incense as a part of the sacrifice. Well, the incense that they would have burned would have been frankincense. It was interesting that the wise men would bring this gift of frankincense that spoke of the role that Jesus would take as the priest. This is the one who would represent humanity to God. He's the one who would, if you will, bridge the gap. He's the one who would become the advocate. He's the one who's the intercessor for. Matter of fact, it's interesting. You don't have to turn there, but I want you to listen to what the author of Hebrews wrote concerning this this concept of Jesus being the high priest. Hebrews chapter 4 Verse 14 and following says, therefore, since we have a great high priest who's gone through the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess for we do not have a high priest who's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are yet was without sin. Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So today we can come confidently before God. Why? Because we have a high priest. We have one, the scripture says, who's interceding for us. And that was the role of the priests of the Old Testament. They would represent people to God. They would deal with the issue of sin, representing people to God. And that's the very thing Jesus Christ has come to do for us. So this gift of frankincense spoke of the reality that Jesus would be the high priest, making a way that we might connect with God, making a way that we might live in relationship with God. And then there's the third gift that the wise men brought. It's a gift of myrrh. The myrrh is a gift for one who dies. This baby was born to die that we might live abundantly and eternally. Now myrrh is a kind of um, perfume. It's it's made from um, the sap or the gum from a... Um, a shrub, a bush that grows in Arabia. So it was a perfume, yet when it was mixed with vinegar, it would become um, 
um, something to ease, ease pain as individuals were ill or sick. Not only that, it was myrrh that was used to embalm individuals. When someone died, they would take myrrh and other spices, and that would be part of the embalming process. Matter of fact, according to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 19, after Jesus died, crucified, they took him off the cross, and the scripture says that his body was wrapped in linen with 75 pounds of myrrh and other spices interesting that the wise men would bring a gift that spoke of Jesus' death. That's the very reason that Christ came. What? That He might die. That sin, death, and hell might be defeated. That we today might have life. So the gifts that the wise men brought were more than just nice packages to be delivered to the one who had been born of Mary. They spoke of who Jesus was. They spoke of what what Jesus would accomplish. That He would be the one who would be the King, the High Priest, the one who would die for humanity. So now as we fast forward some 2,000 years to present day, we're here today, what, celebrating Jesus' birthday. Would you agree with that? Why did, we, why did you get up this morning early to make it here? You came, what, to celebrate Jesus' birthday. Unlike the wise men, none of us made a thousand mile journey across um, treacherous terrain of the desert on the back of a camel to get here to present gifts to Jesus. However, we have come on this day, on Christ's birthday, to celebrate Him. And I think our response, our response this morning should be just like the wise men. What did they do? As they came into the presence of Jesus, where are we at today? I know we're in a building, but folks, let me tell you where we're at. We're in the presence of Jesus, right? We're in the presence of Jesus. So as we come to the presence of Jesus, what should our response be? I think it should be like the wise men. What did they do? They bowed in worship and they presented gifts. So let me wrap this up this morning by leaving you with this question. What gift will you give to Jesus? The wise men brought the goat, frankincense, the myrrh, as they were in the presence of Jesus. Here we are today, Cornelius, North Carolina, 2016. We're in the presence of Jesus. What gift will you give him this morning? Can I suggest to you three ideas? It's always great for me if someone gives me the idea of what they want, right? I'm not a good shopper. I'm a good buyer. I'm not a good shopper. Um, so I like it when people just write out, tell me. Tell me, what, it, what is it? What's the perfect gift? Yeah, so I'm not, I don't have it. So this morning, I, I want to tell you what I believe is the perfect gift. That as you are in the presence of Jesus this morning, as I'm in the presence of Jesus this morning, What gift should we give? I I would submit to you first, we want to give our worship. We want to give our worship to the one who's born King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Psalms chapter 95, verse 6 and 7 says, Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the sheep of His pasture, the flock under His care. So like the wise men, again, what do we want to do? I think the first gift we want to give to Jesus this morning is this. We want to give Him our worship. This is what I know today. He's worthy because He is God. We don't have to talk about all the things He's done for us. We could talk about that for a while. But why do we worship? Because Jesus Christ is the Son of God. 
who came into our world bringing rescue for humanity. Here's a second gift I would submit to you that we should present to Jesus this morning is this. It's our gifts and our abilities. So we want to give our abilities. 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. Listen, as we use the gifts, the abilities that God's given us to serve others, let me tell you what you're doing. You're honoring God. As you serve others, what is it? It's honor to God. You're utilizing what God's placed in you, and you're leveraging that in a way that it's making a difference in the lives of others. So we want to give our worship. We want to give our abilities. The third gift that we should give Jesus this Christmas morning is this. Give your life. To give your life. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. Listen to what the Apostle Paul wrote. It says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, in other words, because of all that God's done for us, in view of God's mercy, in view of God's rescue, in view of God forgiving us of our sin, Notice what the scripture says. We should offer our bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is our spiritual act of worship. So as we come and worship this Christmas morning, I would encourage you to do this. Present yourself to God. Bring your life, submit it and surrender to Him. Give your life, give your agenda, give your plans to the one who gave His life for you. Lord, we quiet ourselves this morning before You. The King of the universe. The giver of life. The creator who became created. Lord, even as the wise men came and presented gifts, Lord, so we bring ourselves this morning. We present ourselves to you. Lord, even as we saw with the children earlier, as they looked in the box and it was the mirror and they saw their own reflection. What you desire of us is our lives, Lord. And we, so, Lord, this morning again, we bring ourselves submitted, surrendered. We present ourselves to you as a living sacrifice. Lord, we would say today, have your way in our lives. Lord, we don't want our own way. We want your way. Lord, that you might truly reign supreme, not just over the earth, but, God, that you might reign supreme in our Lord Jesus, on this Christmas morning, we give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.